Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Today's message was preached at both of our campuses in person at our Harrisonburg campus and via video at our East Rock campus. I'm a week too early, but one of the Christmas songs uh, that we love to sing each and every year goes something like this. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. <laughs> you ever thought about that, what, what that last line means, the newborn, the newborn king? Well, next week, we're going to pause the book of James. I know some of you thought that would be impossible. Uh, We're 11 weeks deep into the book of James, but next week we're going to pause, and we're going to spend the season of Advent talking about this newborn king. What does it mean that that he is king in the year 2021 and beyond? What does it mean that he's king in our lives? He didn't just come to be king thousands of years ago in a story that we read each and every year. He's king today in our life, and in our world. And can I just say something? Two things. I pray that you're saying to yourself, man, how can I engage in the local church this Advent season? And we're providing some tools. Pastor Billy talked a little bit about that, ways that you can participate through giving and showing up uh, and being present. Number two, I hope you're praying, Lord, who is it in my life that needs some hope this Advent season? Who is it in my life that needs hope this Christmas season? And maybe for the first time in a long time, you'll pray and say, Lord, who is it that I need to invite to be a part of Christmas? Who is it in my life that I need to say, hey, where, where are you celebrating Christmas this year? Would you come and join me? Uh, th- we have the best story. Listen, we have the best story. It's not good news. It's great news. And, and someone in your life needs to hear it. And so I just want to lovingly invite you, church, to engage, to participate, but then also pray and say, Lord, who else in my life are you asking me to invite to experience hope this Christmas season? Then after the break, after Christmas, uh, we're going to dive right back into the book of James, and we're going to start the new year with the topic of wisdom. That's a great topic, I think, to start the new year with, uh, that, that, that we see all, all kinds of examples, maybe in our world of false wisdom, but James is going to lead us in the new year into this idea of wisdom, godly wisdom versus my wisdom. What's the difference? How do we know the difference and how in the new year can we be in step with the wisdom that God has for us? But today, today we're not quite done with James yet. The journey continues. If you haven't been with us, we started, we started way back in September through a journey intentionally, bit by bit, step by step through this letter. What, what is James? It's a letter written by James, the brother of Jesus, uh, to believers. Believers that had the audacity to say, we believe Jesus is Lord. Not Caesar, not the, not the empires and the kings of the day around us. We believe Jesus is Lord, and because of that, the price they had to pay was intense persecution. Some of them, it cost them their lives. Others are being scattered 
hundreds of miles away. And so James is writing to them and reminding them what is critical, what is key to this faith that we proclaim. And what is it that James says? He, he, he reminds them, hey, in the trial you're experiencing, through the trial, God is at work. I'm guessing if I took a poll this morning and said, how many of you feel like you're in the midst of a trial? A lot of our hands would go up, right? Right? But James would say to many of us, don't doubt in the midst of the trial. That's what he's writing to these uh, first century believers. Don't doubt. Don't doubt in the midst of the trial, but instead persevere. Trust. Trust him, even when it's difficult, because God is generous, and he is at work. He is at work. See, this faith that we proclaim, James says, it impacts how we live. We don't just read the word, we do the word. That's what James says. We don't just read the word, we do the word. We are people of action, and it impacts everything. It impacts everything. It impacts our attitude, how we respond to others, that we're, we're quick to listen, and we're slow to speak, and we're slow to become angry. It impacts how we uh, treat those around us that others ignore, that others push to the margins. We don't do that because we, we are people of action because of the faith that we proclaim. It prevents us from showing favoritism, from discriminating against any that God has created because we, we act on this faith that we proclaim to claim, James says, to claim to have faith without acting on it is worthless. It's dead faith. Dead faith. And we see the life of Abraham and the life of Rahab, two examples from the Old Testament as faith in action. They were considered righteous because of what they did, how they acted on what they believed in today. Today we get to chapter 3. All that was James 1 and 2 in like two minutes. Uh, some of you are like, man, I could have slept in for 10 weeks in a row and just gotten that. Uh, but man, aren't you glad you've been on the journey with us? And if you haven't, you're up to speed. But James 3 now, it really launches right into another practical example of this faith in action. That the faith that we proclaim, it impacts how we live. And James 3 is going to pick up right there for us. And so uh, if you've been here with us, you already know. You've got your uh, copy of Scripture open to James 3. Uh, but if you would, if you haven't already, turn there with me today. We're going to be diving into the first 12 verses of James 3 before we take a little Advent break. Uh, and this morning, if you would, if you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Uh, sometimes we change our posture, and sometimes the posture is an invitation to our heart. <laughs> Lord, change my heart. And so as we change our posture, we invite the Lord to change our heart. Uh, for, for this, the reading of his word. James 3, starting in verse 1. It will be on the screen uh, behind me if you don't have it there in front of you. It says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And this is how James kind of introduces this new topic, this next topic for faith and action. Here we go. Uh, verse 3, when you put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they're large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider a, a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. 
Verse 7, all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison with the tongue. We praise our Lord and Father. We just did some of that, didn't we? And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Lord, we pray today that as we read your word, that you would reveal your truth to us. We're not interested today in our version of truth. We're not interested today in my truth, God. That's not it. We, we, what we want today is to receive, to have eyes to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are open to your truth. Speak, Lord, among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. All right. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Some of you parents got real joy out of that. I could tell. You were like, yeah. Pastor Adrian said, watch your mouth. Right. That's good. It's good. All right. Here we are. James chapter 3. Uh, what if I said to you right now in this moment that you have the power to bring blessing, to bring life into someone else's life, to, to bless them, to bring joy and to bring encouragement and to bring hope right now in this moment. But what if I also said, in this moment, you, you have the power, at the same time, you have the power to bring death and destruction into someone's life. Hate, despair, judgment, all of that is possible in one moment. And that's the power of our words, isn't it? That we can, in a moment bring life and blessing into someone's life and at the same time bring destruction and despair. That is the power of our words. And I actually don't have to convince you of that today because whether you realize it or not, whether you can explain it or not, we all have experienced the power of someone else's words in our life, right? Right? I remember I was in fourth grade. I was in fourth grade and I remember getting teased about my hand-me-down sneakers, right? Not the name brand cool sneakers that my other friends had. I had kind of the, the hand-me-down name brand kind. And I can remember, isn't that crazy? That was fourth grade. That was like decades ago, right? But, but I can still remember the words that they spoke to me. I can still remember the shame and embarrassment that I felt all of these years later. There's so many things today I can't remember, but I can remember that. It feels like it happened yesterday. What about you? What's your sneaker story? We all have them, right? We all have them. A time when, when someone spoke something over your life, someone called you fat or, or ugly or stupid or slow or poor or shallow or fill in the blank. I don't know what it is, but you do. It's right there. You don't want it to be. You, you wish that thought would go away, but you hear those words being spoken over you like they were spoken yesterday. Some of us today, there have been things said to us or about us, and we know they're not true. We know it's not true, but it, it grates at us. And we keep thinking about it over and over, and, and we start to believe that it could be true. Words have incredible power, don't they? 
in James, James wants to give uh, the, the believer, remember he's writing to believers. He's writing to, to men and women who proclaim faith in Christ. And he wants to give them three specific visuals of how powerful our words are. And we see him here in, in chapter three. The first is uh, a bit in the mouth of a horse. A bit in the mouth of a horse. This bit, this small piece, uh, it's literally less than a pound. You could hold it in your hand, and yet you think about, think about a Clydesdale horse, right? Nearly 2,000 pounds. This giant, amazing, beautiful animal can be controlled by something that's less than a pound. That's the visual James gives, the, the power, the power of the words that we speak. Next, he talks about a, a ship. Again, imagine not a small rowboat, right? right? A, a giant vessel, and it's controlled by, by this rudder, something that's seemingly invisible. It's beneath the surface, easily forgotten about, but yet it has the control, doesn't it? Consider what James says about these first two examples in verse 5. Likewise, just like that, just like these examples, James says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Then he gives us uh, example number three, is this spark. This spark, a great forest is engulfed by fire that begins what? With a small spark. Think about it. I can say something right now that can literally ruin my life. Now, some of you were kind of sleeping and you looked up like, oh, what's he gonna say right now? No, I didn't say I'm gonna say something that's gonna ruin my life. I said I could, right? I mean, this is being recorded out on the internet. Like, literally, in a moment, I could say something that could destroy my life. There's an example right now. It breaks my heart of a father and son that I know. They're not speaking to each other. Not because of words they spoke to one another, but because of things they put on social media. And now it's created such a divide. They won't even speak to one another. You see how our words can be this small spark. But, but soon, an entire forest is engulfed in flames, Right? Look at it. Look at it again with me. What it says here, in, in, starting in verse 6, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil. These are strong words from James. Don't miss them. A world of evil among the parts of the body. The tongue, our words, right, it corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Ouch, James. Ouch. Happy Thanksgiving. So I, I've been to SeaWorld. Uh, well, kind of. I think it counts. Uh, so, so I was in youth group. Uh, I was a, a teenager, and we were on a mission trip to inner city Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up in, in Richmond, Chesterfield County, and so we kind of were going to a different place to experience and, and got to minister in the inner city of Cleveland. And uh, when you take a group of students uh, to a, somewhere new, you try to look for something fun to do. And so one a day, we decided we would go to SeaWorld. Now, now maybe I'm the only one that didn't realize that there's a SeaWorld in the middle of Ohio. Now, I love you, Ohio. Um, I, I like Buckeyes, too. Not the football team, like the chocolate peanut butter things. I don't know if those are from Ohio, if that's a coincidence. But anyway, love you, Ohio. But I'm just going to say, it's a little bit ironic to me that SeaWorld 
is in Ohio where there's no sea. Anybody else the irony there? No, we're, we're good with that. Okay, well, anyway, SeaWorld in Ohio. So I'm not sure it counts as a real SeaWorld, but it was a SeaWorld. And, and actually, I found out later that like 20 years ago, it shut down and it's not there anymore. So apparently, uh, no one else got the joke either. Uh, so, but here I was at SeaWorld in the middle of Ohio, and I, I saw Shamu. You know Shamu, right? The, the giant 2,000-pound, 25-foot-long killer whale. And, and crazy as it is, as much as I can't understand, they found a way to tame this 10,000-pound animal. I mean, he's, he's laying up on the side. They get him to roll over. I mean, this is just what you need, a picture of me as Shamu, right? But rolling over, they're rubbing his belly. And I, I just, in a moment, if Shamu wanted to, he could take his little fin and he could fling the trainer like into the fifth row, right? If he sneezes, watch out, because somebody's going to die, right? I mean, this is how powerful and big this animal is, yet... Somehow, amazingly, we found a way to tame even Shamu. But James says, James says, even if that's true, even if that 10,000-pound whale could be tamed, listen, listen, in our strength, it is impossible to tame the tongue. It is impossible. It is impossible for us in our own strength to tame the power of our words. Listen, what does James say? We just read it, that the tongue is a fire. It can corrupt the entire body. It can set the course of your life, the direction of your life on fire. The tongue itself can be set on fire by hell. Ouch, ouch. Man, it's restless. The the Greek word there, uh, it's the same word we read in chapter 1, verse 8, this restlessness, this unstable, right? That the power of our words, that they're unstable. It's poison is what James says. Wait a second, if I'm you, whoa, 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 wait, James. You're saying that my mouth can be set on fire by hell? Isn't that a little bit extreme? Are we exaggerating a little bit here? I was thinking about that in my life. And I was thinking about, you know, when I'm spewing filth from my mouth, when I'm, I'm just allowing whatever thought comes into my brain to just come out, whatever feels right, whatever I want to say, speak my truth, who do you think is in charge in that moment? Because it's not the Lord, is it? When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm bragging or I'm lying or I'm participating in gossip about other people, what, what about when harsh words are coming out? I'm yelling. I'm constantly, what about this? I'm bending the truth. I'm shading the truth to make myself look better. Who is it in that moment that is in charge of the words that I'm speaking? Because I don't think it's the Lord. I don't think it's the Lord. Who am I honoring with my mouth, with my words in that moment? It's not the Lord, is it? The tongue is also a fire, James says. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. James, he's so concerned with this topic of our words. Literally, every chapter in James, every chapter in James, in chapter 1, verse 19, uh, in in verse 26, here in chapter 2, verse 12, here in chapter 3, it's coming in in chapter 4, and and in chapter 5, he is warning Christian believers, man, be careful. Be careful about the power of your words. Jesus himself, he didn't hold back on this topic either, right? 
throughout this series, we're learning to read James is to read Jesus, because this is brother. And so often, as James is speaking and writing, he's thinking, he's reflecting on the teachings of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 12, what did Jesus say about our words? He said this, I tell you, everyone, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Think about that phrase for a minute. That challenges me. Empty word. How many empty words have you spoken? Have I spoken? Verse 37, for by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. That's what Jesus said about this, this spark, this, this deadly poison of our tongue, of our words. So what do we do? What do we do? Maybe today you hear me loud and clear that words matter. They've impacted you, that you've experienced how powerful those words can be uh, in your life. You believe today, you're convicted. You believe God's word is true. Man, you're right. You're right. Words can be a deadly poison. It can be set on fire by hell. You're right. You're right, Adrian. So what do we do? Well, to be clear, James isn't encouraging us to just shut our mouths. <laughs> I didn't tell you to tell your neighbor that today. Shut your mouth. That would have been a little, right? That's not what James is saying. This isn't a directive to talk less. Although, although, what does he say in James 1? Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. We understand there's wisdom in that. But this is a clear command. A clear command. And we're going to look one more time at the end of this passage. A clear command to consider the power of our words and to make a decision. That's the challenge for us today. Consider first the power of our words and then, and then make a critical decision. What decision is that? Well, look with me one more time. Verse 9 through 12. The words that we just read. James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh Water, the decision, the decision that James calls us to is this. We must decide how I will use my words. It's not, it's not an indictment to use less words. It's not an indictment to stop talking, refuse to talk. I'm just going to be silent the rest of my days. That's not it. The question is how will we use our words? In the same way that you can't have a spring that produces salt water and fresh water, you cannot have a mouth that speaks blessing and curses. You can't. You can't. Think about it. You can't say, God, I love you. And we spend time worshiping in his presence, talking about you are enough. You are enough for me. You make all things new. And then at the same time, walk out the door and say, I hate you. We can't do it. We can't do it. I can't have words that speak life and death at the same time flowing out of my mouth. I was thinking this week about superheroes. Uh, last night, uh, a couple of my kids were watching one of those superhero movies. You know, um, you, you know them well. Maybe you have a favorite. Um, you know, there's Superman, there's Spider-Man, there's Batman. I don't even think Batman counts. He just has a lot of money, so he has cool toys. That's beside the point. Anyway, uh, I was thinking about superheroes. And I was thinking about this incredible superpower. You know, Peter Parker, uh, you, you probably don't know him. That's Spider-Man. He has this phrase, this saying, maybe you know it. He says this, with great power comes great responsibility. 
Now, he's not a theologian, and he's certainly not quoted anywhere in Scripture. But I was thinking about that. And I was thinking that, you know, you and I each, we really do have a superpower. And it's really our words. That's what our words are. And so I was thinking of it this way, that your words, my words are a superpower. The question is, will you use them for good or will you use them for evil? You can't do both. You can't do both. Right now, in your life, you're doing one or the other. You can't do both. So the question is, how, how will you use this power? Isn't that what James is saying? Our words have incredible power. A spark. A, a rudder that guides the entire ship. A bit in the mouth of a horse. That's what our words are. That's what the tongue is. Impossible to tame in our own strength. The question that James asks is, how are you going to use? How are you going to use it? I've shared this story before, but I remember I was a young pastor and a young father, and uh, I had no idea what I was doing in life, and, and I, I took time one day to ask a friend uh, who was a fellow pastor. He had been a youth pastor for a lot of years, uh, and, and he, he's one of these guys, he had a lot more gray in the beard than not, you know? We got some of that around here, I love that, but, but he was that, he, he, had, he was seasoned, he wasn't old, he was seasoned. And so I just felt led to reach out to him and have lunch one day, and he, he listened to me. He shared really good advice about where I was in life and really good things to help me. But then the words that he said as we were getting ready to leave that day, I've never forgotten. I've never forgotten. He looked across the table and he looked into my eyes and he said, Hey, Adrian, I believe in you. I believe in you. Now, I got to tell you, I've forgotten a lot of other things he said that day. In fact, I don't know that I could tell you anything else that he, I, don't, I don't know that I could remember any specific wisdom he gave me or instruction on how to be a youth pastor or, or a pastor or, or a father or husband. But I've never gotten over those words. It was more than 15 years ago, but I've never forgotten those words because you see what happened. God used those words. He is still using those words in my life because you see we have power in Christ to allow our words to bring life to speak life into those around us. God used, Chris, my friend, he has no idea to this day, I'm standing up here talking about this, but he may not even remember speaking those words, but in that moment, God used his words to speak life and blessing and hope and healing into my life, and I've never forgotten it to this day. Don't ever forget, don't ever forget that God created the world, what? <laughs> Through a word. Go back and read it. It's powerful. It's powerful. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let the, it's beautiful. So think about if God, if God can create the world through a spoken word, what kind of power, what kind of power can our words have when they're surrendered to his power at work in us? I wonder how God can use your words today. I have a challenge for us. I have a challenge for us. We're entering into this holiday season, and maybe that's super exciting for you, but maybe it's, it's super dreadful for you. I don't know where you are today. Because the truth are, the holidays are, are a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities to celebrate and enjoy and relax, but it's also a lot of opportunities for conflict. It's a lot of opportunities for stress. It's a lot of opportunities for depression and anxiety, and maybe today you say yes to all that, right? Maybe that's where you're at. But there's one more opportunity that's coming in the days and weeks ahead. You, you see, it's an opportunity in my life I don't want to miss. And the opportunity is this. The opportunity to speak life-giving words over people in your life. 
hopefully people in your life that really matter to you, people in your life that you really value, people in your life that you don't want to miss. And while all of the hustle and bustle and tradition, and I love all that, maybe there's one opportunity over these next few weeks that you don't want to miss. It's the opportunity to not, to not speak curse, to not speak destruction and judgment, but to not miss the opportunity to speak life-giving words over people that God places in your life. Here's my challenge today. My challenge for you, every single one of us can do this through his power. The, the challenge is this, I want you to speak life-giving words every chance you get. You're saying every chance I get, every chance you get. Today, starting now, when does this challenge end? I don't know, you talk to the Lord about it, but it starts now. It starts now that I want to in my life, I wanna speak life-giving words every opportunity I get, every time the Holy Spirit prompts me, every time I, I get this little moment, I wanna speak life-giving words every chance that I get because I've become convicted in my life. I've become convicted that often what happens is I allow all the negative words, they come out, don't they? I don't have to try to speak those. They, they come out on their own, right? That, that's, the, that's the deadly poison that we find, right? When I'm in control of my words, those words just come out all their own. But, but sometimes I do think, I think things about other people. I am thankful for things. I am grateful, but I don't, I don't take the time to let those words come out, do I? All the negative stuff, they come out whether I want to. Or, oh, I wish I could take that back. But instead, all of these life-giving things, maybe they're in here. Maybe they're in here. But, but I don't take the time to say them as often as I should. And so I, I'm just here to tell you that my challenge in these days ahead is to speak those words every chance that I get. Start with your family. Some of us, that's the hardest place. Oh, why do I gotta start there? Start there, start there. Start with your coworkers. Start with people that know Jesus. Start with people that don't know Jesus. Someone in your life, listen to me right now. Don't miss this. Someone in your life needs to hear, I believe in you. Someone in your life needs to hear, I forgive you. I trust you. I love you. You matter to me. I see you right where you are and what you're going through. Someone in your life needs to hear, keep going. Don't stop. Don't quit. You've got this. Someone in your life needs to hear, I've got your back. You matter to me. Someone in your life today needs to hear that. And what would happen if those that claim, claim this faith as our own, we didn't just believe it was true, we acted like it was. It came out in our actions and, and in our words and we spoke life-giving words every chance that we get. James gives us a powerful image, doesn't he, in chapter three, of a spark that starts a fire, a destructive fire. But what if today the Lord wants to use your words and my words to start a very different kind of fire? a holy fire burning in someone's life, a holy fire uh, burning brightly, shining brightly, starting now, starting today, church. Would you join me? Let's, let's change the world with our words. Let's change our family with our words. Let's make our communities different with our words. Some of you are like, that's too simple. That's too idealistic. No, it's true. It's true that God can use your words. His power at work through your words can make more of a difference than you would ever imagine. So the question today, how, how will you use this power 
that you've been given for his blessing, for his good, for his glory, or for destruction. Would you pray with me today? And and today I want to pray specifically for the one, the one who feels burdened. Maybe today you're overwhelmed with guilt and shame over all the empty words, as Jesus said, that you've spoken. Maybe today there's a few people in your life you need to ask forgiveness for, for some words that you've said. But, But all today, every single one of us, can make the decision. We can respond to the challenge. Hey, today, Lord, today I'm gonna speak life-giving words every chance I get. And if tomorrow morning I wake up and I blow it, one of those words gets out that I wish didn't, I'm not gonna let that stop me. I'm not gonna let that defeat me. Instead, through your power and your strength, I'm gonna start again and say, okay, the challenge begins again. I'm gonna speak life-giving words every chance that I get. So Lord, open our eyes, open our eyes. There are people around us that can be blessed through us. There are people around us that need life through us. There are people around us that need encouragement through us. No more empty words, Lord, no more empty words. Today we choose, we choose through your strength, through your power, because of the faith that we proclaim and it's real, Lord. It matters to us. Use our words starting today. And I can't wait, Lord. I can't wait to see the holy fire that you spark. I can't wait to see how that one spark of a God-honoring, truth-filled, glorifying word, how that sparks a fire that burns brightly for your glory. I can't wait to see what you do in our family. I can't wait to see what you do in your church. I can't wait to see what you do in the lives of people that thought they were hopeless, but somebody showed up and spoke life-giving words to them. And you use our words to do more than we could ask or think or imagine. That's who you are, Lord. That's your power at work in us. And so we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. If you believe God can help you, if you believe through his power it's possible, would you say amen this morning? Amen, amen, I'm with you today. I'm with you today, relying and trusting that God's word is true. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.